Thursday, May 13th, 2021. Today, from our news team, the Golden Globes are under fire. More legacy Marvel characters coming to the MCU. And Mark Zuckerberg can't leave your kids alone. This is the Culture Jack News Desk. This is the Culture Jack News Desk, your source for stolen information, hot takes, and your weekly news. I'm your host, Archimedes Abigail. Now, before we get into the news, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. This is one of five regularly scheduled shows that we host every week. Starting your week off on the right foot, we have Monday Madness with Anthony. On Thursday, we'll meet back here for the news desk, obviously. On Friday, Dustin hosts the Friday show. Tune in Saturday then for on today's episode. And then round out your weekend with the Weekend Wire on Sunday. With all that being said, let's take a peek at the news. In movie news, uh, the Golden Globes, like we said at the top of the show, the Golden Globes for 2022 have been canceled on NBC amid growing criticisms. Now, this is from Variety. Uh, Warner Media joins uh, the HFPA and Golden Globes boycott, and that is the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, uh, regrets the industry tolerated members' behavior. Uh, organizers are being accused of everything from discriminatory practices to accepting, quote, freebies that could sway their judgment. They also recently learned that there is not a single black person in the group of 87 members who vote for the awards each year. And they have vowed to be more transparent and hire diversity advisors. But that's not enough, according to these actors, studios, and publishing houses. Black Widow star Scarlett Johansson has been particularly vocal this week, alleging that, quote, sexist questions and remarks by certain HFPA members that bordered on sexual harassment. Major studios are also distancing themselves, and Tom Cruise just gave back three of his awards in protest. Those were for Jerry Maguire, Born on the 4th of July, and Magnolia. To make matters worse for the HFPA, the article reads, NBC has just announced it will not air the Golden Globe ceremony in 2022, leaving the popular award show without a home in the United States. So, NBC said in a statement, We continue to believe that the HFPA is committed to meaningful reform. However, change of this magnitude takes time and work, and we feel strongly that the HFPA needs time to do it right. As such, NBC will not air the 2022 Golden Globes. Assuming the organization executes on its plan, we are hopeful we will be in a position to air the show in January 2023. On Thursday, Netflix co-CEO Ted Sarandos wrote to the organization, We don't believe these proposed new policies, particularly around the size and speed of membership growth, will tackle the HFPA's systemic diversity and inclusion challenges or the lack of clear standards for how your members should operate. And this was followed by Amazon Studios, which in a statement said, Like the rest of the industry, we are awaiting a sincere and significant resolution before moving forward. Lionsgate and Stars issued a statement saying we applaud NBC's decisive action to require the HFPA to make the transformational changes 
that are needed in their membership, structure, and practices. Until they do, we join with our industry colleagues in withdrawing from all HFPA activities. And a group of more than 100 Hollywood publicity firms wrote in a joint statement about their concerns. They got Amazon, Time's Up, Glad, and then, of course, actors like Scarlett Johansson, Mark Ruffalo, and David Oileo. Oilo? Oilo? I'm I'm sorry, David. I've I've no idea how to pronounce your name (laughs) presently. They've also released uh, statements in recent days. Now, I, I, what was I, I gonna, I was going to report on the Oscars, maybe? There were some Oscar winners recently? Or was it Golden Globes? Is that the same thing? I don't know. Uh, award shows are, are very, they're very masturbatory to me. And the, a critic's review, an award show from a body like the HFPA is, I, I think, less important in my eyes than an audience review, than hearing good reviews from my friends, uh, from Anthony, from Dustin. And um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like besides the diversity problems or the harassment problems or any of the other accused things that the Hollywood Foreign Press Association is going through right now, they, they're they kind of becoming obsolete, I think. I, and maybe that's just with the move to more streaming services or, uh, or the like. In other movie news, Justice League star Gal Gadot confirms that Joss Whedon, quote, told me he will finish my career. And so this is actually secondhand from Ray Fisher, who did an interview in The Hollywood Reporter in the piece. It was revealed that, quote, Whedon threatened to harm Gatto's career and disparaged Wonder Woman director Patty Jenkins. One source even told the trade that Joss was bragging that he'd had it out with Gal. He told her he's the writer and she's going to shut up and say the lines and he can make her look incredibly stupid in this movie. Uh, Godot uh, confirmed as much by saying, via the direct, Joss Whedon told me that he will finish my career. He told me directly that if I do something, he will make sure my career will be miserable. I took care of it right away. And there is an alternate translation going around as well that says, he kind of threatened my career and said if I did something, he would make my career miserable. And I just took care of it instead. So this is a, a continuing saga from Ray Fisher Warner Media, Joss Whedon, and Justice League. And like we've been saying on the show for months now, we need to compile all of this into a good timeline to give you a good idea about things happen. Or maybe we should wait until there is some other resolution or some other fallout from this whole saga, from this whole drama. The Suicide Squad director and writer James Gunn teases multiple post-credit scenes. In a tweet, a gentleman on uh, Twitter, Raphael, asked, is there a post-credit scene? And of course, tagged James Gunn in it. And James Gunn simply wrote back, A, with a question mark. So apparently there is more than one post-credit scene for the Suicide Squad. Not that any of us hardcore (laughs) superhero movie fans were going to be getting out of our seat and leaving before the very, very end of the credits anyway. We have had an incredible slew of trailers over the past week. There was a first real trailer, not just a title card teaser trailer for Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Uh, It looks amazing. I was a big fan of the first Venom movie. I think that was in 2015. 
No, it had to be later than that. Maybe 2018, 2017. So <laughs> it was um, after the turn of the millennium, at, at the very least. And that is going to be in theaters on September 24th, of course, starring Tom, Tom Hardy and Woody Harrelson. Then we had another trailer for Love, Death, and Robots, the second volume. And it is a red band trailer, so there is violence and uh, there is some cursing there. So that is coming out tomorrow. Friday, May 14th. It's going to be eight episodes uh, long. We also had another trailer for Stranger Things Season 4. It's kind of a teaser trailer. It teases an origin story for uh, the character Eleven, and that should be released sometime in early 2022. And all of these trailers you can find over on the Culture Jacked Facebook page where we repost them from their original authors. Uh, and this kind of snuck up on me. There was also another trailer for A Quiet Place Part 2, uh, which is coming to theaters on May 28th. So end of this month, I remember hearing all of the delays due to the pandemic on this particular movie. But it was nice to see that, um, that it's actually coming to fruition because the first one was amazing. They are going to have uh, John Krasinski in it, who I assume is directing it. I'm not sure entirely, but they are going to have him in it in the flashbacks of the show. There is a first look at Matt Damon's new movie, Stillwater. Uh, so this upcoming uh, thriller is set to follow an American oil rig roughneck from Stillwater, Oklahoma, who travels to Maricel, France to visit his estranged daughter who is in prison for a murder she claims she did not commit. And that's coming out on July 30th. And before that, though, in June, we had a trailer release for The Green Knight. This may be a second or third trailer, actually, but this one, it snuck completely past me. So I did not get an opportunity to even know this was coming. No, I had, pl I had ample opportunity, let's be honest. But I did not know that this was coming. It looks amazing. It looks uh, like a fantasy, a... Knight, who is made of trees, interrupts this meeting of kings and men and looks for a challenger. And a challenger faces him, cuts off his head. He picks up his head and he leaves to meet him again in another year. There's an animated fox and it looks interesting. I'm not really sure what it's about. No doubt it is based on a comic book. However, uh, something I'm excited to see on June 11th. Now, file this under rumor mill, but Giant Freakin' Robot is reporting from the same, quote, trusted and proven insider source that told them about Tom Welling's return in Crisis on Infinite Earths and plans for Doctor Strange in WandaVision that there may be plans for key characters from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, Marvel basically, they want to bring back the characters from the show, says this rumor, but they will treat them as new characters. So they may bring back the characters, they may bring back the actors that, that previously played the characters, but they will not bring back as canon, as established movie lore, any of the situations or scenarios the characters found themselves in. So essentially, it'll be a soft reboot of the property and characters that will kind of be a tip of the hat to old fans while being completely accessible to anyone who's never seen the show. So there were other rumors about the Netflix Marvel characters doing much the same. The Jessica Jones, uh, Daredevil, and uh, John Bernthal's Punisher. 
as well. Now, I didn't watch all of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I did watch a good deal of it, and I enjoyed it very much. Like, obviously, the budget was much lower than the movies, much lower than the Disney series that are are on Disney Plus now, but it was still a lot of fun diving more into that world, and it was my first experience with a lot of the things that we are seeing and going to see in the upcoming Disney Marvel shows and Marvel movies like the Darkhold. The first time that I saw that it was introduced in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., not in WandaVision. Uh, In other Disney plus Marvel news, Loki is moving up its premiere date and it announces that Tom Hiddleston in new Wednesdays are the new Fridays teaser. So Loki is going to premiere on June 9th, but in instead of a, weekend kickoff like was WandaVision like was Falcon and the Winter Soldier we can look forward to Loki uh, being a recurring show on Wednesdays Blade production has been pushed back from this September to 2022 so obviously it has not uh, it has not yet yet started production they also gave out a possible shortlist of directors so it doesn't really have a director attached yet the hollywood reporter has now shared a noteworthy update on the movie revealing marvel is looking at many of the same directors that warner bros is eyeing for its planned superman reboot and i didn't include it in the news or i i don't know a lot about it but there was um there was rumors going around that michael b jordan would be playing a version of Superman in that particular Superman reboot. And I don't know if this is another one-off like they're doing with the Batman, like they did with the Joker, or if this is going to be a Superman that is included in the DCEU proper. So the short list of director's names for the Blade movie includes uh, Stephen Capel Jr. from Creed II, J.D. Dillard, uh, who directed Sweetheart, Regina King, One Night in in Miami, uh, Shaka uh, King, Judas and the Black Messiah, and possibly Barry Jenkins, who directed Moonlight. It's said that some filmmakers have met with both studios for both movies, even though the process is phenomenal, phenomenally early, <laughs> according to one agent that spoke to the trade. Unfortunately, we probably won't be seeing Blade anytime soon because, quote, Marvel isn't rushing with Blade, whose start date was pushed from this September to July 2022nd, so the studio can spend time working on the Stacey O.C. Kufer pen script. So, that's a pretty big delay. However, we do have a lot of Marvel things to look forward to. Until then, Miss Marvel is in, <laughs> in other production news. She has wrapped her production for that movie in Thailand with Oscar-winning director at the helm, of episodes four and five. So Miss Marvel, I believe, should debut sometime this year, though they haven't given hard dates. Most likely this winter after Hawkeye, we're going to get Loki here in June. Hawkeye most likely in the fall. And then Miss Marvel will probably premiere closer to that October, November time frame. So some some big kind of Hollywood Me Too gossip news here. Uh, Seth Rogen has said that he has no plans to work with James Franco following sexual misconduct accusations. So, uh, 
this is it's kind of a, a big convoluted mess here. Now, I enjoy Seth Rogen's work. I enjoy what he what he does. But there's some pretty damning things where he stood behind a <laughs> alleged uh, predator of some of some kind in James Franco. So Rogan made the comments in an interview posted on Sunday by the Sunday Times magazine to promote his new memoir yearbook. He admitted that their friendship has been affected by these accusations. Rogan and Franco have co-starred in several projects as early as the short-lived 1999 series Freaks and Geeks, and including movies like Pineapple Express, This is the End, and The Disaster Artist. In 2018, now here's the accusation, five women accused Franco of sexual, sexually inappropriate or exploitative behavior following his Golden Globes win for the best actor in The Disaster Artist. Sarah Tither Kaplan, a former acting student at the film school Franco founded Studio 4, described, quote, a bonus nude orgy scene with Franco and several women that she was asked to film for the movie The Long Home in 2015. She said Franco removed the protective guards. Now, I, I don't know how trigger warnings work necessarily, but this is a little bit graphic. Use the uh, remove the protective guards that are used to cover female genitals during the scene and that Franco simulated oral sex on them without protection. After the accusations came out in 2018, Rogan told an interviewer he would keep working with Franco, but now says he's had a change of mind. Seth Rogan says, and I wish I could do a good Seth Rogan voice here. This would be, it's, <laughs> I don't know. That wasn't, that wasn't as good, a good laugh. He says, I, I look back to that interview in 2018 where I comment that I would keep working with James. And the truth is that I have not, and I do not plan to right now. He told the Sunday times magazine asked if he believes the accusations from ye Rogan replied. What, what I can say is that I despise abuse and harassment and I would never cover or conceal the actions of someone doing it or knowingly put someone in a situation where they were around someone like that. However, I do look back at a joke I made on Saturday Night Live in 2014, and I very much regret making that joke. It was a terrible joke, honestly. So uh, what the joke was, it was like Seth Rogen had catfished James Franco into believing... He was a, a 17 year old girl and uh, to meet him at a hotel. And then he said, hey, where have you been? And he said, oh, I've been waiting to James Franco said, oh, I've been waiting at the Ace Hotel. And so that was the joke that that he's referring to in his interview with the Sunday Times magazine. Rogan admitted that his friendship with Franco had been affected by the accusations, but said he could not say if that means they're no longer friends. I don't know if I can define that right now during this interview, he said. I can say it, um, you know, it has changed my changed many things in our relationship and our dynamic. And he, he was asked if it was painful, and Rogan said, yeah, you know, but not as painful or and difficult as it is for a lot of other people involved. I have no pity for myself in this situation, he said. And so, like I said, I like Seth Rogan's work and... Uh, who knows what, what will happen when the truth comes out, if the truth comes out and what kind of weight these accusations and allegations have. However, it sounds like Rogan is setting himself up to be in a, a more, 
I guess, gracious position when it's all said and done. Uh, Penn Gillette from TheGamer.com is now also joining the cast of the upcoming Borderlands film. The Borderlands film uh, continues to add stars, even as filming is set to begin in Budapest, Hungary. The latest name to join the cast, Penn Gillette of a famous magic duo, Penn & Teller. These guys are amazing. If you're not familiar with Penn & Teller, uh, Penn is a very big, tall man, and he does all the talking. Teller doesn't talk at all. And they're very famous magicians. I got an opportunity to see them in Las Vegas once. It was it was pretty incredible. Uh, the news comes courtesy of Penn's own Sunday School podcast, where he revealed that he'd soon board a plane and head to Hungary. Uh, he doesn't seem to have a, a named part. He's going to be a preacher who oversees a wedding that then gets interrupted by a fight. And he ends up in the same paddy wagon that uh, Kevin Hart is, who like Anthony reported in one of his earlier episodes, is set to play Roland in the film. Um, in other movie news, and I think it's our final bit of movie news here, uh, Disney has put Gina Carano up for an Emmy despite the fact that she was fired. Now, if you remember earlier in the year, Gina Carano had made some very divisive tweets that in the eventual, eventually led to her termination as her character from that show Mandalorian. But a Mandalorian poster is detailing all of the suggestions that Disney has put forward for this year's Emmy Awards. And they include Pedro Pascal for the lead actor, uh, Giancarlo Esposito for his role as Moff Gideon, and then tucked in there is also Carano's name under the Best Supporting Actress category for her role in the show as Cara Dune. Uh, as for the role of Dune, now this is the the most interesting part of this story that I thought. Disney has not stated that it won't be recast. And that hasn't stopped some hoping for Don Cheadle to replace her. Now, obviously, Don Cheadle is not going to be Cara Dune, but maybe he will be some character that is adjacent to the Mandalorian in a similar way that Cara Dune's character was as well. But that is all that we have for movie news. In gaming news, now this is from thegamer.com, Bethesda survey asks players if they spend a lot of time creating spaceships. So there's a new feedback tab that appeared on Bethesda.net that uh, asks a bunch of questions about your gaming habits and questions that some folks are saying seem very pertinent to Starfield, Bethesda's upcoming space-based RPG. The question asks you to rate how much the following statement applies to you. Quote, I spend a lot of time creating my character, home, or spaceships. And that's pretty much all of Bethesda's games let you customize your character. And then Fallout, of course, allowed you to customize your shelters, your settlements. Um, but maybe they're moving on to spaceship creation as well. Uh, Microsoft in other Bethesda and specifically Starfield news, Microsoft is quote confident that Starfield could release soon and they already have ad time booked hinting at a late 2021 or early 2022 release. This development was noted by uh, Nick Baker, editor of XboxEra.com, and he says he's been told that Microsoft has already brought up bought up ads for Starfield scheduled for this year. 
Microsoft, of course, now owns Bethesda, and this information suggests the studio is eager for Bethesda to finally release the game in the foreseeable future. So on his own podcast, Ed said, quote, if you think logically about when they, they would have bought this ad time, it would have been during the pandemic. So if they're buying ad time for a game to come out in 2021 during the pandemic, then obviously they must be aware of something that we're not. Uh, and so this statement is backed up by another industry insider, Jeff Grubb, who claims that sources in Microsoft are eager to get Starfield showcased more prominently this year, uh, which would make sense for a game like Fallout, for a game like Starfield, for a game like Skyrim, because Bethesda has a track record, at least, of announcing a game and then releasing a game shortly thereafter. Uh, so <laughs> in the Epic and Apple trial news, there have been many revelations that have come out of this Epic and Apple trial. But one of them is that Epic Games reportedly offered Sony $200 million for PlayStation exclusives. Uh, as pointed out by PC Gamer, this latest document details a proposal that would see Sony's first-party games that are only available on PlayStation consoles eventually make their way to the Epic Games Store for PC. The document reads, quote, Offer extended at $200 million for four to six titles. There was no information on which titles would be part of the deal, but it is doubtful that Sony would agree upon its most recent games. And if we had to take a guess, this article says, it would have probably involved some of the older PlayStation 4 exclusives. However, the next pointer says, awaiting feedback. But that is not all. This article continues. The document suggests that Epic Games also approached Microsoft and Nintendo with similar propositions. While Nintendo was a complete non-starter, they said, Epic did start conversations with Microsoft. However, the internal feedback from Microsoft notes that Xbox Game Pass for PC would be a competitor to what Epic hopes to achieve. And so most likely, you won't see any of these exclusive titles on Epic, but it's fun, it's fun to know that these companies are not only trying to make acquisitions with developers, but they are trying to make acquisitions within the, um, the publishers, within the studios, within the different consoles uh, themselves. There is a uh, <laughs> from the gamer.com. I think this is from the gamer. Hold on. Yeah, this is definitely from the gamer. Uh, the article headline is Nintendo's future acquisitions will focus on advancing technological uh, innovation. And shoot, what was this? It seems like Nintendo president Shuntaro Furukawa has said that any future acquisitions by the company will only be made with technological advancement in mind. He clarified Nintendo's plans for potential future acquisitions during a press conference held after the company's financial result publication. Uh, he said, quote, We need to secure cash reserves to ensure financial stability. But if we, if we need to respond to rapidly advancing technological innovation, we may acquire companies that possess the technology said Furukawa to Niki. Uh, unlike some major conglomerates, Nintendo is very selective when it comes to mergers and acquisitions. Its acquisition of Luigi's Mansion developer, Next Level Games, was its first in over a decade. 
In a statement released at the time, Nintendo said completion of the acquisition will serve to secure the availability of next-level game development resources for Nintendo, including development expertise, as well as facilitate an anticipated improvement in development speed and quality by enabling closer communication and exchange of staff with the Nintendo development team. So that's pretty interesting. When you think of Nintendo, when you think of uh, developers and acquisitions of these studios, you don't often think because Nintendo is usually one that does all of their in-house things. It's mostly a first-party setup, or at least that's historically been what it is. In another uh, piece of news, Video Game Hall of Fame 2021 games have been announced and four titles have been inducted. So uh, this year there is a committee, um, the Strong National Museum of Play. Uh, what is the, what's the committee name? It's the International Selection Advisory Committee. And they narrowed down uh, the field to 12 titles. The, the, the contestants, the nominees were Animal Crossing, Call of Duty, Farmville, FIFA International Soccer, Guitar Hero, Mattel Football, Microsoft Flight Simulator, Pole Position, Portal, StarCraft, Tron, and Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? So this year, the four games that were inducted into the Hall of Fame, drumroll please, StarCraft, Animal Crossing, where in the world is Carmen Sandiego and Microsoft Flight Simulator? And that was the older Microsoft Flight Simulator. In other video game news, Valve boss Gabe Newell hints at new releases on console platforms. So where was this? This was uh, during a Q&A session on Reddit. He was asked about the chance of seeing more Steam games coming to consoles. Newell hesitated at first, but then proceeded to say, quote, you will get a better idea of that by the end of the year. And of course, the crowd was, ooh. Um, so that'd be interesting. Interesting to see Steam, because there's some obscure games on Steam, and I am not a PC player. So I would be all for the idea of those coming to, mm, my preference would be Xbox, and more specifically, it would be Xbox Game Pass. So I already have that service and would just be able to get those games. In other video game news, Battlefield 6 is confirmed to release on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. And so uh, it should release sometime between October 2021 and December of this year. And it's, it's interesting to see a game come to these last generation of consoles and it's going to it's going to happen for a year or two now where it will be playable on both the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 5 the Xbox one and the Xbox series uh, but I think game development is being held back potentially by developers having to develop their games for a <laughs> I guess a less powerful generation of of consoles. EA Play has made a uh, announcement for July. They are coming back for their EA Play Live on July 22nd. So save the date for that. They put that out in a tweet on May 11th. So just just to be clear, 
It's not May 11th. It's July 22nd. And that's all we've got for gaming news. All right. In our final bit of news today in what we'll call technology and social media news, Variety reports, they say Instagram for kids. Dozens of attorney uh, attorneys general urge Facebook to scrap their app plans. So I'm going to read to you from this article here. Facebook's plan to build a version of Instagram aimed at preteen kids is in the political crosshairs of more than 40 state attorneys general who are asking Mark Zuckerberg to mothball the idea. Uh, according to an open letter signed by attorneys general from 44 U.S. states and territories, they said, quote, it appears that Facebook is not responding to a need, but instead creating one as this platform appeals primarily to children who otherwise do not or would not have an Instagram account. Facebook in March confirmed that it's in the early stages of developing a restricted special purpose version of Instagram managed by parents for children under 13. So the uh, attorney gen attorneys general, they cited uh, research showing that social media can be harmful to the emotional and mental well-being of children. And they argued that children, quote, do not have a developed understanding of privacy and pointed to, quote, alarming rates of cyberbullying on Instagram in particular. They also cited a United Kingdom study that found more cases of, quote, sexual grooming on Instagram than any other platform. And noted that 2020 Facebook and Instagram reported 20 million child sexual abuse images. In addition, the attorneys general wrote, Facebook has a record of failing to protect the safety and privacy of children on its platforms, despite claims that its products have strict privacy controls. In short, an Instagram platform for young children is harmful for a myriad of reasons. The AG's letter uh, concluded. Um... So, you know, I have a very specific uh, opinion of this particular app, and I don't think it's needed. I don't think it's necessary. And especially based on the studies and the research that the attorneys general quoted in this article, uh, you know, kids don't need to be that connected, and especially that connected to unknown, unknown persons. And yes, the app is managed by parents. However, it's 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 predatory in nature whether it's from the people that are on the app themselves or from the ads that no doubt will be injected into the application as well but that's it for technology and social media news and finally the things that i've been consuming my free time with though <laughs> I haven't had too much of it. Um, the games that I've been playing, I've been playing Fortnite still. I'm on level 85 on the Battle Pass, which I've got to hurry up because I believe I've only got a few weeks left to complete this thing, get to 100, even though I'm told that there are skins and emotes and other things that you can unlock past 100. My goal is just to get to 100 because if you get to 100, this is a great thing. And the terrible thing about Fortnite, about Apex, about any of these battle passes, is they give you in-game currency as you go along. So if you complete to 100, your next battle pass is essentially free. Well, you don't have to pay again for it. Basically, you're just diluting your initial cost 
into the Battle Pass. And then I played for the first time in a long time, I played Mario Party. Now, Mario Party recently has had a big update, which allows players to play online with each other, which is fantastic. But we played in person. There were four of us. And there's something about Mario Party that is, it's adorable. And it is also (laughs) very, very competitive. I have wonderful memories of playing Mario Party back when I was a child. And... On the Nintendo 64, there were some games where you had to rotate the stick very quickly. And all of us would use the the middle of our palm to rotate the stick on Mario Party. And all of us had these big old blisters (laughs) in the middle of our hands from playing Mario Party. Mario Party, to me, has lost its way over the years because those initial Mario Parties on the Nintendo 64 and the GameCube were good, uh, one, two, and three, but as they moved up and progressed four, five, six, seven. I think maybe there was a Mario Party 8. Um, as they moved up and progressed, they became more of a team game. And to me, that's not what Mario Party's about. Mario Party is about stealing all of your buddies' coins, taking their stars, making them land on uh, red circles, red spaces, and then otherwise humiliating them and destroying them in the mini games of Mario Party. This next week we're going to play Mario Kart, so that will be another return to force and it's it's super cool because Mario though there were video games before it and after it, Mario is kind of the quintessential video game. It's what people think about when they think about video games and some of a gamer's best memories come from that that happy little plumber. And as far as things that I have been watching, uh, I've been watching a new superhero show on Netflix called Jupiter's Legacy. I am about four episodes in. And what I will tell you is this. For Jupiter's Legacy, uh, just for some brief background, there are superheroes in the world. I won't tell you how they came to be or where they came from. However, they have a code and the code is, you know, to not kill, to not get involved in political conflict, to do only right as they can. And there is a, a, a division begins uh, occurring between the heroes about what, what levels they should go to, what links should they go to, to get the job done. And so, so far I am on episode number four, I believe maybe it's three and this is what I will say. It is an amazing story. Like the story is so good. And it almost makes me wish I had read it as a comic first because the effects in Jupiter's Legacy are not nearly as good. So to have a superhero show, just because you can, just because you have the rights to it, doesn't necessarily mean that you should, unless you can put the budget behind it to do it correctly to do it effectively, to make me believe that I am in your world. Because if you have a good story like this does, nothing pulls me out of it like like making me feel like I'm watching an episode of the Power Rangers, which this does over and over again. Granted, it is a more adult-themed, it is a more violent uh, <laughs> kind of show than the Power Rangers is. But the effects are that of... Um, of the Power Rangers in a lot of, in a lot of cases. And the other thing that I watched last week, it just came to Netflix as well, is the Mitchells versus the machines. And in this, there is a, 
a daughter who's going off to college and she has grown increasingly alien to her father. She, she doesn't relate to him. He doesn't relate to her and they've grown apart though. They were very close when she was very young and he can't figure out how to fix it. And she doesn't want to figure out how to fix it. And she wants to go find people that, that share the same passions that she does. And there is a, an uprising in an artificial intelligence that assumes the form of these robots that begin to capture all of the humans and the father and daughter have to learn how to work together. The whole family has to work together in order to defeat this robot menace. And there were a couple of moments that I kid you not really pulled on the old heartstrings. They really brought a tear to my eye and it was a, it was a great movie. I highly, highly recommend uh, the Mitchells versus the machines on Netflix. But with all of that being said, that is our, our new show for today. Thank you so much for dropping by and giving it a listen, maybe getting caught up on some things that you knew about, maybe getting some extra ideas on, uh, on the things that you did know about. I said that all backwards. <laughs> Make sure you stay tuned for the Friday show tomorrow on today's episode on Saturday, the weekend wire on Sunday and Monday madness. Leave us a review on the platform that you are listening to us on. It helps us a great deal. You can also get in contact with us at Facebook or Twitter at Culture Jack or send us an email at culture.collective.x2 at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us here at the Culture Jack News Desk. I'm Archimedes Abigail. That's the news, and we'll see you next week.